That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> That's all I got. If you hadn't get, how many got a note, a notepad? How many need a notepad? Would you raise your hand? How many need notes? We, we got people that need notes. That, right here, he's coming. <clears throat> this is going to be different. We are trying to go through. Um, a series that we're trying to uh, identify the things that are essential to our belief system, and we're trying to give you the the foundation and the um, and and just the the root system, as JP talked about last week, to know why you believe what you believe. And uh, and this week we're going to talk about the Trinity, and we're going to talk about your relationship with the Trinity as well. And so that's a deep subject. <laughs> And it's hard to prophetically preach that, so, so I'm not. I mean, I, it's just, I mean, I may have some kind of the here's a word from the Lord kind of thing maybe in the midst of it, but mostly this is just going to be an informative type of message. And so um, it is definitely going to be different. I'm going to have to be still. It's just going to be a challenge. And I'm going to just read a lot of this, uh, expecting you to go home and discover why you believe what you believe about the Trinity. It's important that you believe it. It's foundational to your belief system and understanding who God is and why, why God is who He says He is and how important that aspect of God is, the, the Trinity, God in three persons. And so as we begin... Uh, you need to come to understand that this revelation is important because God, everything about what God's doing with this relationship and the revelation of this relationship uh, is so that you and I can be in relationship with Him. You know, from the very beginning, from the creation of man, from the fall of man, in every aspect of the redemption of man, God the Father has been in mode to redeem relationship with mankind and himself. He wants us to be included in the family of God. He calls us family. And there's a reason he's called Father, Abba. There's intimacy in that. It's not, it's not this far-off God that is just watching us from a distance. And you really need to get a hold of how that operates. And, and there's a there's a thought process in today's culture, really that, you know, um, you know, you even see it coexist on bumper stickers. You see all these kinds of things. And I want to make sure I say this rightly. You know, and when I read scripture, I don't see a God who likes sharing the limelight very much. He, he's just not wanting to be in the mix. Mix me up with all these other gods, and I'll be okay with that. And there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a culture being developed that says that's the trend. Let's just, let's just mix this stuff up. And, and I don't see a God like that. But I do see a God who says about those people who are confused and have an anti-Christ maybe mentality. And the reason I say anti-Christ is because if you think somebody else is God, you're probably pretty much anti-Christ because Christ said he was God. And so, and so 
God loves these folks and he wants to come, everyone to come to the truth that he's God. He's the true God. Jesus said, I'm the one true God. I'm the one. And, and, and he refers to himself. So I just want to let you know that, that this whole understanding of the Trinity is about relationship. Uh, God's not much in the sharing and it is the power of God, and nothing can stand against it. This is, this is truth that you're about to discover and, and learn about, and nothing can stand against it, even though it tries to in our culture. And so we're going to look at the Trinity in you, and the first thing that we need to do, number one, is there is one God. There is one God. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9 says it like this, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, in that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name one. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29, it says this, Jesus is talking, he said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. In Numbers Chapter 15, verse 37, verse 41, when God has given us a picture of the tabernacle, which is a replica of the tabernacle in heaven, y'all need to understand that. He, he says this, the Lord spoke to Moses, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, the church, and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassel of the corners. And you shall have the tassel there, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and to do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Everything that God does is to bring us to a place where we recognize that he is God and that he wants relationship with us. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says, and this is eternal life. I love this passage of Scripture that they may know you, Father, the only true God, and that they may know Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. There is one God. He is the Father of all. But that one God exists in three persons, and we call that the Trinity. Say the Trinity. Trinity. Three persons. The Godhead. All those things are synonyms. They, they, they are you know, like-minded terms to describe the existence of God in three persons. And uh, the Bible is clear on this, but it never ever mentions the Trinity, but we need to understand that that Trinity, that three-person Godhead, is all over Scripture. Uh, 
it, it, it is, it is uh, very evident in creation, in the fall, at the Tower of Babel. It, it's evident in Isaiah's encounter with God. When, when God calls Isaiah, there, there's, a, there's a picture of the Trinity at Jesus Baptism. When Jesus is baptized and he begins his ministry, there's a picture of the Trinity. And there's also a picture of the Trinity with the church. And so we need to look at all those things. It says in creation about the, the Trinity, it says, let us, say us, let us make man in our image after our likeness. It's, it's, it's the picture of the Trinity at creation. You know, and, and God is, you know, he, he's doing all this work, and, and then there's the fall. And from the very beginning of the fall, one of the things you need to understand about the fall, and when God says all these things, he said that the, the fall caused these things, but my whole desire is to redeem all those things. And so, and so I'm going to set it up that way, and through this setup of marriage, I'm going to bring back restoration in relationship, not only in the marriage, but to God. And you'll see that here in just a moment. So at the fall, he said, the man, behold, take note, yo, say that, yo, yo. behold. <laughs> That's southern for behold. Yo. The man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. The Tower of Babel, this is, this is where there's, you know, man's getting really powerful and God's trying to, to make sure that, that, that we stay in the, in the element that he wants to be able to redeem. He says, come let us go down and there confuse their language. In Isaiah's encounter, he, he, you know, he's, he's saying, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Now, he's saying, listen, Thus saith the Lord. He's doing that all through Isaiah. And the, by the way, side note, the reason I'm giving you all these scriptures today is so that you can go home and look at how the context of these scriptures. Listen, you, if, you, if this is all you get on the Trinity, it's going to go over your head and you're not going to get anything the Lord wants you to get. This is, this is a study tool this morning for you to come to a place where you can understand the Trinity of God. You can be solid. You can have a firm foundation of why you believe that. And so this is a study guide on how to do that. And so as I, as I say this, I want you to understand that, that you've got a God encounter too that God wants to reveal to you who he is. And so he's doing it to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, also I heard the voice of the Lord, and the Lord said, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And so there's a picture in Isaiah. It's also in Isaiah 48, 16. It says, come near me, hear this. I've not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent his spirit, and his spirit has sent me. You can see the Trinity even in the call on Isaiah's life. At Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it said, When Jesus had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he, Jesus, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. And so at Jesus' baptism, you see a picture of the Godhead. And then in 2 Corinthians, you see this message to the church about the importance of understanding the three-part Godhead, the three-person Godhead, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with you all. So there's this, there's this beautiful picture of the idea, the Godhead existing in three persons. So each member of the Trinity, we must understand, is God. Each part of the Trinity is God. There's not God the Father, and then there's the Son who's not God, and then there's the Spirit who's not God. All three are, are talked about in Scripture as being part of that Godhead. So let's look at the Father first in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. This is from the Amplified. It says this, Who were chosen and foreknown by God the Father. Say that, God the Father and consecrated, sanctified by the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and to be sprinkled with His blood, may grace or spiritual blessing and peace be given to you in increasing abundance, that spiritual peace, that spiritual peace to be realized in and through Christ, freedom from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflict. But you see in this passage of Scripture the reference to God the Father. In John chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says this, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal upon Him, Jesus. And so God is the Father. Yes? So we see also that the Son is also God. And we see that very blatantly in John chapter 1, verse 1. The Son is God. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Say the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus, the Son, is God. Hebrews 1.8 says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, this, this is beautiful. He's quoting Old Testament, but to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness and the scepter of your kingdom. 1 John 5.20 from the Amplified says, And we have seen and know positively that the Son of God has actually come to this world and has given us understanding and insight progressively to perceive recognize, and to come to know better and more clearly Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This man is the true God 
and life eternal. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful picture that the Son is also God. But the Holy Spirit is God as well. Holy Spirit is God as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Say that. I am, I am the, temple the temple of God. Because the Spirit of God dwells in me. The Spirit is also God. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4 says, Peter said to Ananias, this is, <laughs> this is so good. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own, in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And so when we look at each member of the Trinity, we have to understand that each member of the Trinity is God. They were there in the beginning at creation, and, and they're here and are a vital part of you understanding your relationship with the Father. How all that happens. How are you related in the Godhead? And so when we look at the fact that, the, that, that God is the Trinity, there's three persons, that, that all three persons are God, we also have to understand, which will blow our minds, is that there is subordination in the Trinity. Now, subordination is a word that's root is submission. And so we have a hard time conceiving this in Christianism and in our culture because in our culture, submission is a bad word. Submission is a negative because you're not in charge when you're submitting to something. But in the Godhead, there is perfect authority and perfect submission. And so there is an expectation of authority. And God always, always uses authority. Say that. God always, always uses authority, whether evil or good. Amen. He always works through authority because it is who He is. It's in the very essence of His nature. He, he, he created marriage in the same way. Now, we, I'm, I'm going to sidetrack a minute. Now, now I'm preaching. Get off of here. In marriage, it, it is supposed to look like the Godhead in that submission. You see, when, when we think about the Trinity, a lot of people try to make an earthly analogy to what the Trinity looks like. And sometimes they'll talk about, you know, water and ice and steam. You know, water, ice, and steam is the same thing, but it's, that's lame. Because it's finite and it takes a certain atmosphere to produce all those things. And God's an infinite God and he's not, he's not defined by anything. And so it, it's a, really a poor example, but you get the idea of, of, of that kind of thing. But the point I'm trying to make here in, in what we need to understand about the subordination of the Trinity, a marriage is created in the same way of the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we start talking about submission in a marriage. What we're talking about is the same role that they have one another. In other words, both, all three are God with different roles. And so both partners in a marriage are, are equal 
with different roles. And the roles that they play, if they do it the way God designed it, has the ability to restore and bring redemption, health, and prosperity. And and it's, it's it's a redeemed feature. And it is not this punishment. Or, or, or this negative thing that we sometimes bring to it. So let's get a grasp. That's why it's so important that you understand this about the Trinity. That they're all God, but there is subordination within the Trinity. So let's look at it. Scripture shows that the Holy Spirit is subordinate to the Father and the Son. And the Son is subordinate to the Father. This is that that eternal relationship, and it does not deny the deity of any of the three. It's just simply hard for us to understand in our culture. So let's look at first the Son. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, it says this, Father, if it is your will, say that, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Perfect submission, perfect authority. He's on mission to do the Father's business. John chapter 5, verse 36. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. In John 20, 21, Jesus said to the people again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also have sent you. And the reason I wanted to tie that in is next week we're going to talk about who we are. See, it's the Trinity and you. And we're going to talk about how God has grafted us in to this relationship and why it's important not only to understand who God is, but to understand who you are in this relationship with your family. You know, you're, you're married. There's a contract God has with you. When, when you come into When you're born again, which we talked about last week, you come into a contractual agreement as family with God, paid for and substantiated by Jesus on the cross. And so he brings us into this this relationship. So Jesus said, the same way the Father sends me, I send you. You're in this same subordinate relationship with the Trinity. And we have seen and testified that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world, John 4, 14. And so the Son is subordinate to the Father. Now we look at the Holy Spirit. This is in John chapter 14. Now what you're going to see from here out is I'm going to use a lot of the same verses as I begin to talk about these things. But I'm going to draw out different points with the same verse. So y'all stay focused on what I'm talking about. Right now I'm talking about the subordination of the Holy Spirit to the Son and to the Father. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper. That He, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. And so Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is going to come, carry out a mission, He's going to die on the cross. He's going to be buried. He's going to raise again. And he's going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's going to be interceding on your behalf until the end of time. And Jesus says about that that he doesn't even know when the Father's going to say go. 
No man, including himself, knows when the Father is going to say, enough's enough. And then Jesus is going to come back. And so you have the Father, you have the Son at the right hand of the Father, and you have the Holy Spirit that's indwelling with you. All Godhead, three persons, three different functions in subordination with one another. John 14, 26. I've already read, right? No, John 14, 26. With the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit never really says anything that Jesus hadn't already said or done. He never says anything that doesn't align with kingdom. John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. You see, subordination. John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't handle it. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's why we're, we're in a, a progressive state. I, I love what the Amplified said. We're in this progressive state of learning not only the nature and the character of God, but what about ourselves that doesn't look like that? And then if we'll repent and confess and believe and begin to confess truth, we are transformed into the image of God. We were created in his image, but we're in a fallen state. And he says, there's no reason to live in that fallen state. Don't let sin and death capture you. He says, begin to be transformed. So he's sending the Spirit to help us, to reveal to us what God says. Okay, no. So there's subordination. There's the Trinity, the Godhead. It's three persons. They're all God but they're in subordination with each other. And we need to understand that the individual members, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit of the Godhead, the Trinity, they have different tasks. They're, they're not doing the same thing. They, they, they don't operate the same way. But they are all involved in all the same stuff. And so we're going to look at a few things. Everybody, Is anybody totally confused or y'all tracking with me? Y'all tracking with me? All right, so we're going we're gonna to look at several things. We're going to look at the creation. We're going to look at divine revelation. We're going to look at salvation. And then we're going to look at the works of Jesus on the earth. And we can expect to know that if Jesus had to depend on the work of the Holy Spirit, certainly you've got to learn and begin to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit as we discover that the Godhead had different tasks. So let's look at the Father. His ultimate, He is, the Father is the ultimate source or cause of the universe. He is the creator of all things. He is the cause and the source of divine revelation. He is the cause and the source of salvation. He is the cause and the source of Jesus' coming. The Father initiates everything. Got that? He's the initiator. He's the source. He's the general. He's the five star. He's the, he's the commander. He's the one who is given instruction. He's in all authority. 
He is creator. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all things are all things, and we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ, whom all things are and through whom we live. In Revelation 4, 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Talking of the Father. He is creator. He's also the source and the cause of divine revelation. Let's look at it. Again, Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. God gave Jesus the revelation to show his servants things which must take place shortly. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. So, so Jesus' role is to reveal divine revelation to us because it was, he was sent by the Father. So the Father is the source and cause of divine revelation. He's also the author of salvation. In John 3.16, we all know this verse well, but let's look at it as being the author of salvation. For God the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And so the Father is the author and the cause, the source of salvation. He's also the source of Jesus' work here on earth. Jesus says this in John chapter 5, verse 17, My Father's been doing work until now, and I have been working. John 14, 10 says, Don't believe that I am in the, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And so the works are done through Jesus by the Father. He's the source and the cause. Now, if we understand that, remember we've got a We've got a three-part Godhead who is there in submission uh, to the Father. The Son is in submission to the Father, and the Spirit is in submission to the Son and the Father. So if the Father is the source and the cause, then the Son is the agent through whom the Father does the following works. He, 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 he is part of the creation, and, and He's the maintenance of the universe. He, 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 he is the one who the Father is doing all the work through. He is divine revelation and salvation. The Father does all these things through the Son who functions as His agent. So what we have to understand is, what is an agent? You understand that an agent is a person who acts on behalf of another person or a group. And so Jesus is the agent of the Father's mission. He's the agent. Everybody understanding that? Although he's fully God, he submitted to the plan and the mission that the Father has set before him. He's totally aware of it. Now, if you look in Genesis, when, when the creation happens, it says, it says about, about the creation, it says, and the Father, the source, spoke. 
If you look at John 1, 1 again, we said the Word became flesh, Jesus. He spoke, that's Jesus. Jesus is the Word, and the Word became flesh. And the Holy Spirit was hovering above the deep. And when He spoke, things came to an exist. So you can see the workings of the three working together, even at creation. And so you know that uh, the Father is the source and Jesus is the function maintaining the universe. <laughs> and if, if you're a believer, you don't ever have to be scared of science. All science is doing is proving that there is a God. I mean, God spoke and things came into creation. And we know right now it's a fact. This is a fact. The universe is still expanding. You know why? Because God ain't said stop. It's still moving. It's still growing. It's still going. We know right now that, that the information was in a cell first. It didn't come from a gob of goo. All the information was there first, and it was inserted into a cell. And that cell has a manufacturing system designed by God. And we can see that. We know that to be true. So if the information was there first, there has to be an author, a designer of the information. You know, one of the things I want you to think about, if you have a DNA code and it's unique to only you, that's why you look differently. You know, you can see your mom and daddy in you, but you look differently, you think differently, you're different, you're totally different because your DNA code is totally different. How hard will it be, do you think, if we are to have a new body without sin, for God to take the DNA that's in you, remove the bad DNA that causes sickness and sin, and still be able to recognize who you are in heaven. How hard would that be? I mean, when you begin to think about the... That's why ice is not a good... <laughs> not a very good example, because it's just so finite. Our God's a big God. I mean... Astronauts, when they leave this, leave this atmosphere, worship because they realize the bigness of our God. And so, and so we see that Jesus is the thing that holds, he's the agent that holds it together. John 1, 3, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Talking about the Son. In Colossians 1, 16 through 17, it says this, For by Jesus all things were created that are in heaven and are, that are on earth, visible and invisible. That's why you don't have to worry about principalities and powers from hell. They were created by God. He created them all. They fell. You don't have to be scared of them. They're not omnipresent. Now, you want to think about something that's really this outside of your brain's ability to comprehend, God is everywhere all the time. David said, it doesn't matter where I go, Lord, you're there. You're there. I can go to the depths of hell, you're there. I can go to the bottom of the sea, you're there. I can go as far east or far west as I can go, you're there, God, you're omnipresent. Nothing else is. Everything else is created. And Jesus was there first as part of the Godhead. And nothing that was made, visible or invisible, without him, whether thrones or dominions, these are, we think, are hierarchies of uh, 
principalities and powers, things that we can't see, including evil. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things consist. And so you see creation. He's also the agent, the agent, the Father, the source, Jesus, the agent of divine revelation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Jesus is the agent of divine revelation. John chapter 16, verse 20, uh, 12 through 15 says this, I still have many things to say to you. <laughs> I've already read this, but you need to take it in this context. But you can't handle it yet. However, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. There's this progressive guide. So you need to be encouraged. You need to say to yourself, Jesus is the agent of divine revelation. And he has sent the Holy Spirit, which I am the temple of, to begin to lead me into all truth. And so, so I, can, I can garner everything God wants to reveal. He ain't done with me yet. Say that. He's not done with me yet. Revelation 1.1 says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. And so Jesus is the agent of divine revelation. He's also the agent of salvation. I'm about to fly. You guys hanging in there with me? 2 Corinthians 5.19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He didn't, he didn't put them on us and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God, the Father, is the, is the source, and Jesus is the agent. Matthew 1, 21, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people for their sins. John 4, 42 says, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so Jesus is the agent of salvation. And the Holy Spirit is the means by which the Father does the following works. He, he, is, he was there at creation. The Holy Spirit maintains the universe. He is the, he is the means of maintenance to the universe, the divine revelation, salvation, and the works of Jesus. Thus the Father does all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and in churches everywhere, we're so scared of the Holy Spirit. And there's absolutely impossible for us to get a hold of what God wants to do without the Holy Spirit. So means means the vehicle or the instrument. He is the car that actually gets this stuff done. He's the vehicle, the Holy Spirit is. Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Job, it says, Job says, By his Spirit he adorned the heavens, and his hands pierced the fleeing serpent. Psalm 104.30 says, You send forth your Spirit, they are created. 
you were renew, you, and you renew the face of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit is the means of creation. He's also the means of divine revelation. Again, in John 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear it now. However, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you in all truth. For He will speak, not speak, on His own authority. He's in submission, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he'll declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. That is the job, the means of divine revelation. is the job of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3, 5 says this, Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles, and prophets. And so the Spirit has been doing this from the very beginning. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21 again, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the means of divine revelation. He's also the means of salvation. That Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. In Titus 3, 5, he says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Say, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 2 says, elect according, We are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, grace be to you, and peace be multiplied. And so the Holy Spirit is the means of salvation. He's also the means of Jesus' works on earth. We see this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so we see, see the Trinity at work. That's a lot of information. Y'all need to give me a round of applause for getting that out. <laughs> that, that was the most information I've ever given out in that length of time, ever. <laughs> but you know, when Jesus, when Jesus uh, got the Scripture, it was His reading and in his hometown in Nazareth, and he went, it was in the synagogue, and he read, he read Isaiah 61, and, he, and it was a reference to Messiah. And he took Isaiah 61, and he, and he read it, and he, was, and he said at the end of it, this day I tell you the truth, you see this scripture fulfilled. And what's the scripture say? The scripture says, and the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You see the Trinity, you see the Godhead. Today, I beckon you as your pastor. You've got to understand this. You've got to get to a place where, where you're comfortable with understanding that, that the Father has a mission for you. The Father has a destiny in His mind's eye to you. He says, I've got a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. I've got this thought and I have provided my Son I provided my son to pay all your debt so nothing can hinder you other than yourself and your belief from 
from keeping you from accomplishing that which I have planned for you. I have sent my son to do that task. And not only that, I've got this, this remarkable plan. I've got a remarkable plan for you. It's, it's way bigger than you could ever imagine or think. Way bigger. And I'd tell you what it was, but you can't handle it yet. And so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to reveal to you my plan as you go. And you're going to be transformed into my image, into my likeness. And because you are, the world has an opportunity to be saved. That's called evangelism. But if we don't understand how important that relationship is, what it means to submit, we're never going to submit to the Spirit of God. If we don't understand the subservient nature of the Godhead, how are we going to ever submit to what God has for us? It's imperative in our marriages. It's imperative raising our children and our grandchildren. It's imperative walking with God. And so you've got the foundational principles here to carry that through. And I pray, my prayer to you is go home and study these scriptures. Look at them, read before and after in the context in which they're written and come to, come to yourself and say, Lord, I just want to be like you. I want to be locked in like Jesus was locked in to doing what you've called me to, my destiny. And, and let, me, let me just say this. Let me, let, let me take the pressure off of you real quickly. I mean, really, really, really quickly. <laughs> You know, Michael's not a guitarist. He's not bad. You play the guitar pretty well, right? He's a priest. That's right. He's a priest. He wasn't born or created to play the guitar. That's right. He was born and created to be a priest to his God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's right. Yes? Yeah. That's next week's message. That's what has to do with the Trinity in you. You are called to be priests to your God. How are you going to respond to this Trinity relationship? And what's God's expectation for you and how you're to respond to that? That's what we're going to talk about next week. The priesthood of the believer. Everybody said, I can't wait. Father, in the name of Jesus, where we are, God, I just ask you that you would reveal to us your nature, your character. I pray, God, that we not walk in fear and that we not walk in shame, that we understand that you've done everything necessary to redeem us. I pray, God, that we understand that you really are good. That doesn't stop. Your goodness chases after me. God, you want me to come to a place where I recognize who you are and I am subservient like the Godhead to your master plan and destiny for my life. God, I want to line up with it. I want to know you. I want to know what you have for me, my assignment in Jesus' name. I thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would do it. And everybody said, amen.